from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go! Welcome to That's Winter Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins, and with me tonight is Kyle Peach. Uh, and Josh Brown is still in Scotland for the rest of the summer. We might see him, we might not, uh, a little bit here and there the rest of the year. All right, Kyle, we'll uh, open it up. The Cardinals have gone 11 and 14 over the last so many games, 14 games. Is this team back from the dead? Are, have you seen exactly what you've wanted to prove life that this team is going to do just fine? I've seen about 60%, I would say, of what I want to prove that this team is just fine. And yes, I, I think to answer the question, they are back from the dead. Keep in mind that the dead don't move. Uh, we, we have moved. The offense is on fire. Nolan Gorman leading the charge on the offensive side for the Cardinals. The big question mark in my mind still to remain, is this team going to be a playoff team? Is this a team that can still contend for a World Series? And right now it all hinges on the ability of our starting pitching to get wins and relievers to hold the line, something that I'm just not sure has been proven as of yet. All right. Well, that's a good first moment. People might say, wait a second. A lot of people are riding high, maybe not so much for Kyle. But I'll, I'll say this first. Uh, we did a poll earlier this week that people requested a, a telephone number they could text in instead of just commenting on Twitter or commenting on YouTube or commenting on Facebook, which all of those are available still to do. But there's also a number up there as well, uh, 314-500-6308 to get your text in. And I haven't tested that it can take phone calls, but I assume it could if we wanted to do that at one point. Um, I will start there with one of the texts. I have a screen up that has all the texts popping in. Tell me again why Trace Barrera is on this active roster. So I will briefly talk about that and answer that question. Wilson Contreras saga has gone back and forth and then Trace Barrera is still there and not seen much time. He's obviously there for whenever Contreras DHs, but why is he still on the roster and why is he holding up a space for someone else, Jordan Walker or uh, Luke in, uh, in the minors. Like, why is he taking up space? I thought you were going to answer that question. <laughs> I'm asking you, what, <laughs> why is he taking up space? You said you were going to answer that question. I, 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 I don't have an answer, especially with, with Kisner in tow, you know, and everybody seemingly helpful. I, I don't, I, I don't have an answer uh, for that question. I do like the piece that I read um, this week about, uh, you know, you know, the, the, the send down and, and the situation in, involving the, um, the Cardinals minor leaguers who are, are, are hopefully waiting in the wings, you know, we, we kind of like to see, 
what we've seen out of Nolan Gorman, the, the send down last year to get adjustments made to the swing. And now we're seeing the results potentially of that send down and the work to alter that swing. So maybe we're going to see that, uh, you know, as talent comes up. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, that question, I, I, I don't have a good answer for you on, on why is he still on the roster? No, no, no real answer. I mean, the only thing I have is that it's just in case that they need to get um, a pinch hitter for Kisner late in the game, but there's not that many options. Who are you going to be pinch hitting for? You're, you're going to have Juan Yepes if he's not DHing, and that is kind of where you're going to have that spot. It's it's very wasteful of position because you know your catcher should be you know catching, and then you wouldn't have to worry about a DH. And it seems like that move was made because of the saga that was going on, but it, it's no longer really relevant. So I don't understand why he's not catching every day. And then also don't understand why Nolan Gorman's not hitting every single day. Why is he not in the lineup tonight? Today he had the, had the night off um, and they said it was a scheduled day off, but they had it because it was a lefty pitcher in, in Clayton Kershaw. So like, why did that happen today? Luckily they got the win. It didn't matter, but he's red hot. I would like to see him still, still in the game. I had this um, question up on Twitter today as well as Nolan Gorman has been one of the clutchest hitters all season. Um, and for the Cardinals, he leads in almost every offensive category for the Cardinals as well. Looking back over the last 10 years, who has come to the plate that you think about is clutch and you're confident in them coming to the plate. And I think it's a really short list that Nolan Gorman has jumped on top of really quickly this season. Yeah. And, and, and I would talk to who, who is on that list. And, and Matt I'm Carpenter, not, right. Matt Carpenter yeah. comes to mind. Like, you know, obviously whenever he was playing well, Yadier Molina, no matter he didn't hit the home runs that he always, you know, but he, whenever he came up with two runners on second and third, two outs or whatever, one out, I expected a run to score. Like those are the two that really come to mind. And people had some other answers, but I didn't know if you had any, you thought of, um, besides those guys over the last like 10 years. Yeah. You know, you, you look back at, at, at people who, who stand out offensively, obviously you, you would expect Mark McGuire to, to come up uh, back in the 98 season and hit a home run almost every time he came to the plate, but you know, to earn the respect and, and you have to also talk about with the likes of Nolan Gorman, the supporting, it's hard to call him supporting cast, but the supporting cast around him in Goldschmidt Arenado, who, you know, you go three that those three guys right through the lineup. Who who are you not going? Who are you going to choose to pitch to when they're all three well? And, and right now, those three guys have been have been hitting the ball well, and, and the Cardinals' offense is is among the best in baseball over these last twelve games. And so the offense has been there. The, the and that has allowed a guy like Nolan Gorman, who they can't be careful with, who they can who they can only hope to be careful with. Uh, can't pitch around him. Uh, you got to pitch to him, and, and he's been red hot and, and seizing every moment at this point. And it, it would, it's crazy to me if you think about last year, so many people wrote him off. And I think that the same thing was going to happen no matter what happened to Jordan Walker this season. People were going to write him off because it, of a slow start. We knew that Jordan Walker at some point would probably go down 
or he would have a, a bad stretch. And Nolan Gorman at 22 years old last year had the same exact thing. And that was expected. And then so many people said, we need to trade him, we need to get rid of him, or you know, all those options because he's not living up to it. This is why they didn't trade him in the offseason or in the Soto deal that they were asking for. This is why, because this guy is expected to do exactly what he's doing. And actually, I think he's overachieving um, a little bit of what I expected, um, but he's been unbelievable and I want to see him play every single day. They walked Goldschmidt to get to Nolan Gorman, and Nolan Gorman makes some pay with a big three-run home run last night to be able to take the lead and be the ultimate game winner, even though the bullpen tried to, to give it back a little bit. When is the last time that you, you can remember that in a Cardinals lineup that you would see someone intentionally walk and then face that as the result? You know that You, you would see a lot of former Cardinal players, Pujols and the like, intentionally walked in key moments to get to somebody else and, and it pay off for the team that did the, the intentional walk. And, and we've just got, you know, some of the best offensive weapons in, in baseball right now. And, and that's, you know, hopefully that's something that they can, they can continue to go. You know, we lead the National League in hits right now, third in runs scored, third in home runs, top five in most offensive categories across the National League. So, this is a team that's really hitting the ball well. Hope it can continue, but uh, you know you, you got to like where we're at offensively, and and that has been no doubt unequivocally the the catalyst that has sparked this team back to in the the, the position that we're in from dead last and out of commission to third place in the NL Central. Well, yeah, and you you say that, and I think that people still they're hitting the way that people thought they would begin with. And the only thing that they really weren't doing earlier in the season was hitting with runners in scoring position or with two outs. And that has changed. And then the offense has even taken off even further from there. So the pitching still hasn't gotten much better, uh, much better. It, it has improved. Jack obviously has gotten better, but what they're still producing, like Monty's gotten worse from whenever he was pitching better earlier in the season. So what has happened is whenever you're scoring over I think they averaged six runs in the last 14 games. When you score six runs, you're going to win a lot of games. I think I saw a stat was the Cardinals are 49-0 and 0 over the last four years when scoring at least 10 runs. Yes, you score 10 runs. You're going to win a lot of ball games. And also, they are then under 500 the next game uh, because they score under four runs per game after that onslaught, which is everyone could tell you that's pretty right on par for what you would expect. Uh, we have some car, uh, questions coming in via text, via the messages on the screen over here. So um, I'll just start with a good one from from Asher. Uh, he says, cards are so back. He's not back, back on board. And no matter what, thinks the cards are from the seller, now back, back up to third place uh, by percentage points over the Cubs. Um, and they, they're so back. And I, and I told you, Kyle, this week that by the end of next week, they would be in third. I didn't expect it to happen already, but I just knew, and it may not be technically, um, you may not be technically right now in third, but I think that they will be after the series with um, Cincinnati at Cincinnati and then to Cleveland. So Asher says they're they're so back. Uh, let me go to this screen over here. Um, sorry, let's click over here. Um, let's see, no name attached to this one, but am I crazy to say that I feel that Mercado is the fourth best outfield options for the Cardinals? He brings what they want from Carlson. Sure, I mean, Carlson, but before Carlson got injured, he was looking really, really good in the center field 
Now Newt has followed and looked really, really well, good there as well um, in center field. I think Carlson was getting back to the shape that we expected him to until he was injured, but also same problems with Tyler O'Neill is there's the injuries that happen. Mercado, we drafted, you know, many years ago and then came back and, and now he's playing well, but I would say, okay, let's just keep, I would keep putting him out there because he's, he's performing, but also know that this is probably not who he is over an extended amount of time. And I think that's what a lot of people um, get really excited about when we talk about uh, Jamie Jeremy Hazelbaker, if you remember that, or um, I don't know, oh, yeah. Bo Hart. <laughs> Who'd you say? Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung, right? And we signed him to a big contract. Aledmis Diaz. Like, there's guys that have done this before. Like, yes, I would play the hot hand right now, and Mercado can get out there instead of having Donnie and, and Edmund out moving around in those pieces. But you're also going to get uh, Carlson back on, off the IL and Tyler O'Neill very, very shortly. So I don't expect Mercado to be up very long, to be honest, unless they start playing Wilson Contreras at catcher every single game, and then you have that extra bench spot as well. Well, you look at, you look at the Cardinal offense as a whole, and, and they're hitting 261 coming into play today. That's the, the third best batting average in the National League. Last year, the Cardinals as a team finished 10 percentage points lower than that at, at 250. Uh, and, and we're sixth in the league in hitting. So the offense has, to this point in the season, outhit last year's roster. They're they're making the strides offensively that that we hope to see. In my mind, it, it all comes down to, at this point, can the pitching staff equal what what the Cardinals hitters are doing? You made made reference to the the six runs, you know, scoring six runs in a game that should win you a lot of ball games. Well. You're you're exactly right. That should win you uh, a lot of ball games. But but the Cardinals are ninth out of 15 teams in earned runs allowed from a pitching staff, and their team ERA is 4.3. So you know you got to score five runs to to be ahead of your ERA, and, and so that sixth run is just an, one insurance run over where you need to be to, to to win on an average more times than not. So the pitching staff's got to get it together, like the hitting the, the hitters have done. Uh, and, and as you were talking earlier, we were talking the schedule upcoming for the Cardinals. My goodness, if they're not in first place by by the end of that stretch, uh, we've got problems. Well, yeah. So um, just to piggyback off, you were saying pretty much answering the question that Drew has uh, put up there, which I put on the screen. He's you know talking about that pitching rotation. Yes, there's there's not really a bona fide ace, and there's and there's not going to be. Uh, this team is going to be exactly who they are unless Jack Flaherty all of a sudden becomes 2019 Jack Flaherty. That's just the way it is, and it's not going to change unless there is a trade uh, and in some sort. And I and I think that they will make a trade as we get closer to. The deadline, how big of a trade that is, I don't. I still don't think they're going to go get get an ace. You're not going to give up Mason Wynn and now Nolan Gorman, or you know, you could see the outfield get moved. Maybe uh, Oscar Magado is making himself um, obvious trade bait now for that. Um, you could still also move a middle infielder of the future, Tommy Edmond, which I would hate to see, but also um, yeah. Brendan Donovan. Those are pieces that can also be moved because Mason Wynn is coming, and it may be next year. So then you have too many pieces that are that are in there. So these are all options that I can see move Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, uh, Juan Yepes, Alec Burleson. All those guys can get moved. But what are you gonna? What's your return gonna be for a, a cluster of those? Probably not that great of an not like a number one starter. 
Um, because you got to think of like Lucas Giolito. Those are the types of guys that we're talking about probably being able to get. And what will it cost to get those guys? I just don't see them actually getting a bona fide ace, um, even whenever it's time for the trade. Um, and then Drew also had a follow-up to that. Not only did they start producing um, with runners in scoring position, they started hitting home runs. And that is true as well. This team is crushing it more than expected right now in the home run category. Obviously, Nolan Gorman is top five in home runs, and um, and he's obviously leading the team. And he's, I think he's on pace for 45 home runs this season. And so what's also happening is the ball is leaving Bush Stadium more often than it has, obviously, in the previous homestands, which has been a big difference for this team as well. And then you talk about the schedule. I just had a lot of points for your last thing you said. but you made a lot of points. Yeah, and the, the schedule. Four in Cincinnati, three in Cleveland, um, and then it doesn't and then Kansas City, I think, after that, Texas Rangers. Um, there's it's just a pretty easy schedule. But the Cardinals, we already knew this. Cardinals opened the season with the easiest schedule all season. It was tough early, but then gets easier and easier. Right now, as you said, we're in the heart of when they're playing so well, they better win and they better win in the great american small park this week as well they need to win at least three because the reds are that bad yeah and and i i would agree with that the one thing that you know kind of piggybacking back piggybacking off the comment you know the the, the birds are back baby yeah yeah they're back <laughs> here's my problem is how many years have we talked about the cardinals beating teams like the Dodgers and the Brewers who are leading divisions, but then sucking against the Reds, the Pirates. I know the Pirates are supposedly better, but you're cellar dwellers that you can't win a series against. And now we're going to enter that stretch after the Dodgers series where we're against teams that are below 500. Yeah, we are right now too, but we think we're better than that. My, my point is, is this going to be the Cardinal group that can rise above and win the games you're supposed to win, not just win the games that are those 50-50 type ball games. Can we go on a big run during this stretch of games where we should win almost every night out we play? That's my that's my holdup of saying the birds are back. You know, because we set ourselves in such a big hole early, these series against teams that we should win against are vitally important that we do win against. And if they can do that, if we can sustain this momentum through those next few series, then I'm a believer that we're back. But, you know, I still want to see some more out of the pitching rotation, and I want to see us rise to the occasion and actually beat the teams we're supposed to beat. Well, and, and I think that makes it different now than it has in the past as well. The Cardinals would not beat up on the teams they're supposed to, but they were always ahead of them if that makes sense as well. Right now, they're the trailing team. They're the one chasing everyone, except obviously the Reds now and the Cubs that they've passed, but they've been the ones that are trying to go after them. And what has happened with Wilson Contreras has galvanized this team. Whether it's pinned the um, Wilson and some of the players against Ali Marmol or the front office or just Wilson Contreras versus the world, and he feels like he has helped this team in leading this team, it has changed this team over the last two weeks, even if, 
he was not the problem. It did gel this team together better than ever. Uh, than it has obviously before that because they were awful and they were dreadful and they weren't showing life. What they've shown over the last 14 days is what we all expected them to be and where we all expect them to end up. I mean, winning 11 of 14 games is kind of the percentage you expected in the first 14 games of the season because of who this team was supposed to be. Milwaukee is where they're now they where we expected them to be at the top. Pittsburgh is still overachieving, but they are still lost, I think, three of the last 10 games. The Cardinals are the hottest team in baseball. One eight of the last 10, 11 of the last 14. Only one other team in the whole, all of Major League Baseball have won eight, eight of the last 10 as well. Yeah. This, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go. go no, go. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to piggyback on, on, on some of the things that, that you were talking about there. You know, here's what was profound for me. Coming into play today, we were, what, nine, nine and two in our last 11, and we still had the fourth worst record in the National League. That's how big of a hole we dug early. Uh, think about that. The, the hole we dug early was that we could go nine and two, be the hottest team in baseball, and still have the fourth worst record in the National League. So that's the hole we set ourselves to try to dig out of. Is this a team that can dig out of that hole? Yes, we've erased you know, five games of that deficit in the last week or two. Can, can we continue to do that? Yes. But I think what's going to be important, like, like we tried to hit home on there earlier, was being able to get the wins against the teams you're supposed to beat. Uh, and we're going to find out if we can do that coming up in the next stretch. Well, you, you make a good point that what they are doing is not exactly – it's not been pretty on all kinds of sides from the pitching side. And then early on, obviously the hitting wasn't coming through, but as Vaughn Lewis says, the team has a soul, no matter the obstacles. Finally, the, like someone asked, uh, you know, what are you excited about? They're eight games under 500. This was last week. I think it's because they shown life. They sh like when they were just losing and not playing well, the bullpen, the starters, everyone was giving up hits. They, it wasn't fun to watch. They weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. They weren't hitting home runs. Nothing was going right, and it was just dreadful to watch. What has changed is the way that they're playing. Even if they, the way that they lost the game um, against, what was it, um, this past week, it was a game that I just felt like they should have won that they let slip away. It was still an entertaining game and that they should have won, but they didn't blow something that made them look like how bad that the team actually is. You know, so, you know, we, we, we swept the Cubs, right? We did sweep the Cubs and we didn't sweep the Cubs. Who did we sweep this week? Uh, anyway, whatever. Tony LaRusso's the, the point of this is this. Tony LaRusso always said, if you win the series, if you win every series you go out and play, you're going to be in the playoffs. Right. And, and, and we're on a stretch of winning series now, which is something that we weren't doing earlier. Here's, here's my big question. You know, everybody was ready to tar and feather Ali Marmol after the fact that he, he did not produce well early in the season, uh, especially with the Tyler O'Neill blow up and then ultimately sending down Wilson Contreras and making him the number two catcher there for a while. Are we ready to say that those motivational tactics by the manager actually have paid off? Did that actually flip the switch? Was that the move that was intended was to fire these guys up and get them motivated? Did that happen? Or is it just a coincidence that after that's happened and, hey, everything's okay and Contreras is now our catcher again, we're good, things have straightened out. W was that part of it or not? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, when you asked that question, and I, and I think about, I still think that last year I didn't have any real issues with Ollie. Um, and I think that this year he's made a lot of questionable moves. And I think that it was just more of a luck of a draw situation of what has gone on with uh, with Wilson Contreras and the team. I think they were looking for a scapegoat of a reason why they weren't performing. And starting pitchers like Jack Flaherty said that he, Wilson Contreras was the reason for that. And then they all then proceeded for two weeks to pitch worse with Andrew Kisner in ERA than they did with Wilson Contreras. And they said, obviously, this was not the issue. Um, like today, Matthew Libitor came in in relief, and he should be starting. And people said, well, he's still going to be on track. But the point that he came in, why was he coming in to get work during a game? There's no reason for it. It wasn't necessary. And then you're just getting him out there to get hit around, that it, which he did, which he has just been starting in the minors and in the in the big leagues. So why throw him in late like that? Makes no sense. And everyone, you know, I have hundreds of likes on the tweet, but then there's also a lot of discernment in the comments of how dumb I am for saying that. But the point is, all he has done is started over the last few years. There's no reason to get him work that way. It's another weird bonehead move for me from Ali Marmol. That to me again is why I think he's kind of lucked in to the, the, what has happened with Wilson Contreras and the team playing better. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think that's I think that's that's fair. I, I think you know you you I try to to think about, you know, are we giving credit where credit is due uh, a lot of times because, you know, I I guess credit to Ali Marmol and, and, and the, and the staff that we've got something going. Uh, and, and it was Paul Goldschmidt who, from what we understand from various media reports that took the team aside in a, in a, in a private closed door meeting and, and said something to, to motivate the team. And, you know, coming into this season, I, I don't know that as Cardinal fans, we realized how much we were going to be lacking from last year, you know, how, how, important of leaders Pujols and Molina were in the locker room and, and, and credit, you know, I think you think about Goldie and Arenado, you know, you're the leaders, you're, you're the highest played players on the rosters. Yeah. But we, we didn't have that role last year and, and now to be forced into that role and, and maybe, you know, it's something that they weren't expecting or maybe weren't ready to have to, necessarily step up and, and be in that position or didn't know how to do it. And, and then you've got a, a relatively young manager that may not know the ins and outs of, of how all that's going to work as well. You've got a new catcher calling pitches for, for pitching staffs that have been the pitching staff that's been with the Molina for, for a long, long time. And, and so there was just a lot of things, new pitching coach, new hitting coach. There's a lot of new and odd situations in Cardinal nation. We haven't had to deal with in a long time. And, Maybe finally now we've turned the quarter and have figured this out. Well, I, how can the how can the front office not expect a change? Yadier Molina spoiled them where they did. He did all the work, and that's obvious now that no one else has had to put in the work that Yadier Molina did over the last 19 years. Mike Matheny was on the radio last week talking about they wanted him to help Yadi grow before Yadi came up. He said Yadi took it right away and was great from the beginning at preparing. Like he's the one who knew what pitch was coming and what hitters were expecting and what hitters holes in their swing were. And I said this before that you then have to dumb down what your plan of attack is. Not that Wilson Contreras is 
dumb by any means, but the Cardinals think that their analytical side on the pitching stuff is so outrageously better than everyone else's. It's kind of like an NFL. Whenever you have a rookie quarterback come in, you simplify the playbook. And that's exactly what they should have done coming into the season, expecting a change. But for some reason they were caught off guard that they thought every catcher was going to be a, 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 a hall of fame catcher. And, and be perfect. It doesn't matter if they would have made the trade for Sean Murphy or they would have traded for someone else or they would have signed a, a catcher first preference. It would have been a huge change for not being Yadier Molina. And for the front office to not figure that one out is a little mind-boggling to me and also worrisome that they didn't figure that out way before now. Do, do you think it was the fact that they didn't figure it out or that they thought they had the solution and it really didn't turn out to be that way, at least initially in Contreras? I, I don't think anyone was the solution. And so I don't think they just assumed that Wilson Contreras, who has won a World Series, who has is one of the few on the team who has won a World Series, that he's not going to be Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina is a Hall of Fame player, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's not very many of those. He's top... 10 catchers of all time like to expect anyone to come in name someone right now who's a top 10 catcher of all time in the majors right now i i can't think of one so to expect anyone to be that is kind of crazy i would agree with that and and and, and i and, and i think you're i think you're right I, I think it's 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 good that this team has been able to figure this out you know and, and whether it's with the help of their manager or not, the bottom line is it seems like something has clicked these last couple of weeks that they finally started to figure some things out and, and we're, we're seeing their results finally come that, that we expected to see from, from the start of the season. Something I want to ask you about because I think you took a lot of flack uh, on a comment earlier this week on Twitter. How about Mr. Pauly D and where he has, where he has risen to in these last couple of weeks? Well, he, what people aren't looking at is over the last eight games, he's actually kind of struggled. And I think he was two for his last 22 and then became three for his last 23 or something close to those numbers when he hit the big home run um, against Do the Dodgers earlier than in this series. He seems, if you look over the numbers, he overall, the numbers, the OPS is high. Um, he's, he's getting on base, but it's mostly the home run or nothing when you look at, he has... Seven home runs now, and he has 14 RBI. What does that tell you that has happened? He's hit home runs to get at the RBI. So he's not really getting on, uh, knocking people in in other fashions. His numbers are good. He's He is prolonging what he had done early on, which I was excited to see. And then he had a mini slump, and then hopefully he's getting out of it. I mean, I think that we, when I tweet, I tweeted out Nolan Arenado's abysmal um, May in a part of April. I tweeted out whenever Paul DeYoung is not doing well. And I tweeted out whenever Nolan Gorman is killing it and not in the starting lineup. All I do is put out the information that are, is out there. And I think that, that uh, Paul DeYoung has the opportunity to be better, but I still don't think he's going to be 2019 Paul DeYoung at any point. I think, I think personally, if you want to hear a, a take, as I think you, you sell him now. You see what you can get out there now because you have a you have an influx of too many infielders. You have Mason Wynn coming. Why not see if you can get something out of for him right this moment? If you think if people might see the opportunity that he might be able to hit, but I can also see the Cardinals signing him again at the end of this season, not picking up his option, 
but signing him to a lesser contract right now because they're seeing signs of what they thought he was supposed to be in this big contract. Would you be upset if they signed him again? Well, it, it, it depends. Is is the Paul DeYoung that we saw today with a couple of hits and some clutch RBI hitting, is this the Paul DeYoung we're going to see for the next two or three years, or is this the Paul DeYoung that's been so annoyingly frustrating over the first however many years of his contract you know I, what is this is this the poly d that is becoming marketable trade bait or is it a paul de young that is becoming a franchise type player you know I, I think that's the the million dollar question and i don't know that anybody knows the answer to that question uh i do know his salary is going to go from from nine million this year to 12.5 million next year and 15 million the year after uh, before he's an unrestricted free agent in 2026. So that's a lot of money to play a guy that has been very mediocre up to this point. And, you know, will he find consistency? We hope so. Love the hits today. Let's keep him coming. Uh, but the odds tell you that he won't, right? I mean, just right. the, the odds of, of what has happened is that he's not all of a sudden going to figure it out unless Jeff Albert was the entire problem. Like, I mean, is that what it really was? Is, is Jeff Albert the reason why? Then... If he has that explanation, then sure, fine. I'm I'm fine with that, and maybe you can get a little bit more out of it. But the odds that it was is slim. So what changed all of a sudden this season versus the last three? I don't think there's that big of a gap. And I, I and he all and he when he came back the last couple of times, he had a stretch where he performed very very well, and then he fell off a cliff again. So. I'm not bought into Paul DeYoung all the way, and I'm. it probably is going to take a couple months until I would be. But I think he's just going to be a streaky hit, hitter no matter what. But I, I hope, like I do for all the Cardinals, that they're very successful and they do very well so we can win games. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Well, and I think it's it's a time to, to pause and remind people we're all Cardinal fans on this podcast. <laughs> Sometimes we may not sound like it, uh, especially uh, at this point in time in the season, but uh, where we've been and, and now where we're at. But, you know, we're, we're all Cardinal fans here. We want the Cardinals to succeed. I think it's a, a matter of, uh, you know, can we can we turn the corner and get where we uh, where we think this team can be? We're, we're showing signs, certainly, uh, of being able to to make that switch and be the team that we're wanting them to be. By the way, uh, you mentioned Jeff Albert earlier. I thought I'd bring up the fact that uh, his new title uh, now is the director of hitting uh, for the New York Mets. And the Mets are 11th out of 15 teams in the National League in batting average. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. He was one of my favorite all-time Cardinal coaches, as you can tell. Yeah, I I, exp I think I even predicted the Mets to not make the playoffs this year. And, and that, I don't know if that was based on Jeff Albert or just money doesn't win you championships. People yeah. get really upset that listen to this podcast about the Cardinals not spending money. And I don't believe that you have to spend money. I am People will call me a homer of the DeWitts and say that, they want him to spend more money. I don't think you have to spend tons of money to win World Series. I think you have to spend a percentage higher than half the league, but I also, also think you have to spend the money correctly. When the Cardinals have ultimately sp spent money over the last 10 years, it's usually not the right money. The Dexter Fowler money, the uh, Cecil money, the Paul DeYoung money, the Matt Carpenter extension. I mean, a lot of this money they've spent haven't been correct, So, and they still have one more than they've lost and have one losing season over the last 20 years. So to the Mets, I think have overspent and they're just 
throwing money on top of money like the Yankees did in the at different times that it doesn't just win. You have to have a collection of really good ball players and also a way that people play the game that gel together in a good group. And I think that's what the Cardinals usually do, and they really haven't shown that until the last two weeks so far in this season. And, and, and let's let's talk a little bit too about we talked about schedule. We talked about how the schedule was going to be rough early on the Cardinals, and, and I think you know looking at where we're at now versus where we were you know twelve games ago. You know I, I think we're starting to see that schedule start to flip on us a little bit and, and head to that easier stretch of the schedule than we were expecting. So maybe the rougher schedule early showed a little harder on the record than we wanted it to. Um, you know, there, there, there's that philosophy there as well that, you know, we really had some some firepower coming against us at the start of the season. Uh, and, and maybe now we're finally getting things right. But, you know, credit to the team. You know, when the when the hot seat was turned on and people are talking about switching managers midseason and getting rid of everybody and cleaning house and all of those kinds of things, this team has hunkered down and, and gotten to where they need to be, I think, at this point, uh, given the start. But, but again, again, my question still is: Is the pitching staff going to to hold its end of the weight? It's it's one of the older pitching staffs in the National League. We know that, you know, Adam Wainwright is certainly uh, an aging Uncle Charlie. So, you know, but he's he's done his his work when he's been healthy. Um, so, can this can the staff make the turn? Can Mats get a win on the mound as a Cardinal pitcher? Uh, we're going to find out as the season uh, progresses. Yeah, and we got another comment. Uh, Drew says they don't. He, he's talking about my point that I just made a second ago. That I don't think they need to spend money, but they need to finally bite the bullet, spend on money on a top pitcher to solidify the roster. Who was one of those guys last year that they should have spent money on? The guys that they should have spent money on last year have not been good, or they've been injured. Like you can say you want them to spend all this money. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So I understand that. And it, trust me, I wish they would have rather signed Verlander, but Verlander hasn't pitched and hasn't pitched well whenever he did. But like the Cardinals are smart with their money for a reason because they have the guys like Libertor that they believe in and Graceffo and Tink Hintz and, and these young guys that are coming up that they believe. When's the last time the Cardinals had an in-house star on the pitching side? Like when's the last time that someone has come up and done that? That's what they're banking on at some point, but I agree. Like, Matt's was who they signed two years ago because that's where they thought they wanted to spend the money was somewhere in the middle. Marcus Stroman, who they missed out on before last offseason, was also a good buy, but they also he's also pitched very, very well. Like, you can spend the money, but you have to spend the money correctly, and I don't think that was really there last year, and I don't know who that is next year either i'd have to really dive into looking at it of who would be a good a good opportunity for the cardinals i just don't know who, who they're really willing to spend the money on unless it's 100 percent proven and who is 100 percent proven that's going to be really really good next year to pay a pitcher 30 plus million dollars a year that's just not how the dewitts do it and so i really don't expect that to happen i could see a trade happen more likely than than that i have more questions coming in i just saw something pop up Let's well see. while you while you investigate that how about the article that comes out this week from a website i've never heard of so there's that say again uh, 
I said, how about this uh, from an article I, I shared with you earlier this week talking about pitchers and trades and signings and those kinds of things from a website I've never heard of. So there's that. Uh, TWSN.com says, what are the top three landing sites for Otani? Oh, yeah. You, you sent me that link. Number three, the Red Sox. Number two, the Giants. Top destination, St. Louis Cardinals. Well, yes. It makes all the sense in the world for the Cardinals because guess what? The Cardinals need pitching. The Cardinals need um, an outfielder because they just have a carousel of outfielders that aren't very good or can't stay healthy. So, yes, Otani makes sense. And the Cardinals paying him $50 million. I mean, what is it really going to take to pay to get him? Yes, it's going to be like $50 million a year. Well, when you're paying for two positions, yeah, that also makes sense as well. Um, and, and I'm for it, to be honest. But the trade part, not so much because you're going to have to give up a lot of pieces to get him for a half a year. And then you hope to resign him. And if you don't resign him, then you've just gotten rid of a lot of guys for no reason. The one of the texts that I got, this says, did you see the article about from Gould who uh, Derek Gould on the St. Louis post dispatch, they mentioned they're looking into trades with Tyler O'Neill and yes, they're going, they're looking to trade an outfielder and they're looking to trade an infielder as we talk here right now. But what value are they bringing? They're not getting uh, Otani for O'Neill and Edmund or O'Neill and Brendan Donovan. Like that's not going to happen. To get a high-end starter or Otani or these these good players, it's going to be some of your high-end prospects. And who are the high-end prospects? It's going to be the guys you don't want to get rid of. It's going to be Nolan Gorman. It's going to be Jordan Walker. It's going to be Mason Wen. It's going to be Matthew Libitor. Now, all of a sudden, when you see them playing well and you want to keep them, that's when the other teams say, that's who we want involved in this trade. And that's where the issues come for these really good players. I mean, Lucas Giolito is probably the one that makes the most sense for who should the Cardinals should trade for because the White Sox are going to be sellers, and he's a really good pitcher. I was watching him yesterday, and he didn't pitch great, but he still got the win. Like, that's the type of guy that you're probably going to go with but is he an ace? Is he an ace? I don't know, but he's better than three-fifths of our rotation currently. Well, and I think you're right, too. And a lot of times when we talk about trades, the Cardinals obviously have been on the side of, of making trades that improve the roster. You know, and we've, we've kind of been, I think, for a long time, especially this season, been looking at trades from a standpoint of you know this this is the worst team we've had in in decades and what are we going to do to to right the ship and we've never really looked at trades from the standpoint we've been looking at trades this year but i think you're right in the fact that you've got to keep a level head if you're a cardinal fan about you know the pieces you're willing to give up are, are you really are you willing to give up otani to get otani are you willing to give up three top tier players that are going to potentially become uh, the next Randy Rosarinas and the like that the Cardinals give away for nothing that turn into to superstar players elsewhere. So is that the kind of sacrifice you're willing to make for something that's less than a year's guarantee to have somebody like Otani on the roster? And I, I think it's a level headedness we've got to try to keep here. Well, also, are you new here? The DeWitts aren't doing that. Like the, all, <laughs> all they, all they care about is, is their core to be good, really good players, and then young guys that hopefully break out and do really well, like Nolan Gorman, who is cost control and cheap. 
Tommy Edmond is cheap. Brendan Donovan is cheap. Currently, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Jordan Walker, cheap, 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 cheap. I mean, all these guys are inexpensive. You have expensive Goldie. You have expensive Arenado. You have expensive some pitchers and Contreras. But everyone else around that core is inexpensive, and that's why the Cardinals can be able to spend that kind of money to, according to them, of their of what they want is to have that cheap core. If you then go and trade away your future for a half a season, then that doesn't really fit the bill of what the Cardinals have done over the years. And I don't expect it to happen unless they know they're going to get someone to sign as well. If it's just a, a half a year rental, but Tyler O'Neill, yes, they can trade Dylan Carlson. Yes, they can trade Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, but what are their full values? I mean, what, what can you really, really get? And, uh, someone else, I'm, comments again and says talking about the white Sox, i'd really like to get joe kelly back i thought i would love to see him not ever leave he's been one of the best relief pitchers and a fun to watch guys since he left in i don't know what year that was 2012 2013 whenever he he left and he has won a world series or maybe even two since leaving the cardinals and has been nothing but a really really good pitcher and still looks really really good for the white Sox and in, in a really bad team yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think he's one of those guys that you know, from from a Dewitt standpoint, if you're looking at financial profitability, he's a guy that by his character and by his actions is going to sell a lot of merchandise. So there's that part of it too, uh, from the management side of things. But yeah, you know, you, you look at guys like that. You, you look at you know, there's there's I think there's been even some talk about uh, a reuni uh, reuniting with Lance Lynn at one point. Uh, but Lance Lynn, I've seen that. Sorry, I've seen that a lot of places. As well, Lance Lynn hates the St. Louis Cardinals. He has been blatant. He hates us. He doesn't like the organization. He doesn't like John Mozeliak. He really hates Tony Larusa. Like, and he was on the same team as him as well. And he, they, they just don't. He doesn't like the organization and how they treated him. And he and Tony Larusa patched it up. And Tony, from what I read, is Tony really put it on the front office of what happened in their, them not coming to an agreement. Lance Lynn would probably choose to retirement than to come back to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, another question, or someone commented like, yeah, I would rather see Dylan Cease or Bieber, Shane Bieber, as a high-end guy if you're going to trade for someone. Yes, again, I just don't know what it actually is going to take to get those guys. Like, what what are they going to want? It's all about what, because pitch, pitching is going to be, once again, scarce and hard to get at the trade deadline. And yeah, so what, what's it going to take? Yeah, what's it going to take? And, and I think we've seen out of Mosellock and, and, and the DeWitts and the like, you know, the unwillingness to part with the pieces that they don't want to part with. And, and, and whoever they happen to be married to at the time, which is, is probably a lot like the list we you've rattled off here, but maybe there's other pieces that aren't on our list that are on their list that they're not willing to part with. So, you know, to make that blockbuster type trade scenario, you're going to have to part with the pieces that you know, potentially you don't want to part with. And, and will the Cardinals do that? They have not shown the ability or want to do that at any point in time in the in the not so distant past. Well, and what we what we saw um, about the names that were thrown around in the Sean Murphy sweepstakes was that they wanted. Um, I have to remember exactly like Dylan Carlson and Graceffo and Donovan, two or all three of those names. And the Cardinals then gave back out. They would rather give up Gorman. Um, I mean, I can't remember the names, but the point is they should have made that trade. Now, I am 
all was all on board with Wilson Contreras because he was just money. All he cost was money to sign. And I thought he's a good enough catcher and a great hitter that that was perfectly fine. But knowing after the fact what what was wanted, I'm 100 oh Newt was also in that uh, that first part. I'm 100% giving up Donovan and Graceffo if that's what it takes to get Sean Murphy. I would have done that 10 times. Because Donovan's peak was more than likely last year. He was not a big sought-after um, prospect. What he got out of it last year is maybe and possibly the best he will ever play, and you could have sold high for once instead of so- selling low or not getting in, out of someone out of something at a later point. So if you get to Sean Murphy out of that, I would have done that. Then they give, want to give up Gorman instead. Look at Nolan Gorman. I don't know what they... What they didn't see last year that still made them think. Nolan Gorman still hit 30 home runs last year between majors and the uh, AAA. So why did you not think that he was going to do that this year? And already this year he's at, I think, 13 home runs. And we are he's in 150 plate appearances. Last year he had a total of 300-something plate appearances, and he had 14 home runs. He's almost doubled his production so far, and he's going to be an all-star. And I was asked the question yesterday, well, Nolan Gorman be an all-star as a DH or a second baseman because he's going to be an all-star this year. Yeah, man. If I'm Nolan Gorman, yes. Either either one you want to name me an all-star, I'll, I'll accept that nod. Um, I, I think I think you're right. I think he's going to be an all-star. A couple of good questions here. Should a trade be made before the deadline to have a better chance of a quality pitcher, Von Lewis says. Um, you know, thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think, you know, you have a better opportunity of making that type of move the sooner that you go to make it so that nobody else jumps in front of you in line. But uh, again, I think it all comes back to what are you willing to give up? Well, yes, you should try and do it now, but the other teams don't want to do it until it gets closer to the trade deadline to spur more action and then get the highest possible outcome out of it. I mean, that's why it's, that's why you don't see it earlier because they're asking price is going to be really, really high because well, we don't know what the actual number is going to be at the trade deadline. Sure. If someone wants to make a trade for Shane Bieber right now, yes, we will do that. And, but they're going to want Mason Wynn, a part of that deal right now today. And so you're, are you want to blow up what you think is your shortstop of the future for that? No. And I think you're more likely to see Tommy Edmond and, and Brendan Donovan traded for Shane Bieber. But will, will they take one of those two? and then an outfielder like Tyler O'Neill. I think you're going to see more of a lower-level trade that will happen. A, a, a two, a three, or a four starting pitcher traded for Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson or maybe even both and move things around and then and then a prospect of some sort. Well, keep in mind, the the, the showing sample size of Tyler O'Neill this season is, is virtually nothing. He's on the disabled list. Coming into the season, what was the concern about Tyler O'Neill? His ability to stay healthy. Why did he get yelled at for growing slow around the bases? He said it's because he's trying to be preserve his you know his physical his physical uh, shape and, and, and be able to last an entire season, and he didn't do it. So is Tyler O'Neill a hot commodity on the trade market? Uh, I'm not sure about that at this point. You know, is it somebody? Is he somebody that that other teams want? I, I don't know. So, what what is the best move? Obviously, I think across the board, everybody thinks the Cardinals need need pitching. It's, it's the matter of what is it going to cost to to get the pitching that we think that's going to make this team better. Well, what happens whenever you everyone knows you need pitching? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, you, you know what I mean? They're, they know that the price is high. You need pitching. We have pitching. We want all of your prospects. I mean, yeah. it's not going to go well for the Cardinals right now, and, that, and that's just the way that it is. And as you said, Tyler O'Neill, yeah, they want to get rid of him, but who wants him for what value? He has all the assets in the world to be able to be a really, really good player. I mean, he finished fifth in MVP voting. Yes, he was really, really good for one year, and then everyone wanted him re-signed, and then they didn't. And that's because he they wanted to see a little more because they got burned on other on other um, contracts. And I think you could trade him, but again, what value does he have? I don't think he has a very high value. You're selling really, really low. It's kind of like when people wanted to trade Jack Flaherty. Your value of your selling is really, really, really low. You have to sell high, and the people you're talking about has got to be Tommy Edmond, and it's got to be Brendan Donovan. Those are the guys that have outperformed their career. They're outperforming what you thought they were ever going to be. And you and I love Tommy Edmond. I mean, I have his jersey on my wall, uh, not this wall, a different wall, autographed on my wall. And I would hate to see him go. But those are the type of guys you're going to have to get rid of that actually have some, some value. Um, I have another question over here. Talking about trades, though, my honest feeling is I think this first month has finally made Mo realize he has to go out, stop bargain bin shopping. That was from Drew on the text line. Um, I'll, well, let me get uh, Vaughn off here and get the text number back up. So do you think that this is anything to has, – has Mo learned anything? And get your text into 314-500-6308. Has Mo learned anything because of this? Um, I don't think so. And we get to sit down with Mo again at Blogger Podcast Day um, in June, um, like three weeks from now, I think. We'll if, get I to... go, if I go with you to that event, are you promising not to ask any embarrassing questions this time? Listen, last, <laughs> last, year, last year at this event, I didn't ask any questions. Josh asked the question, uh, and I let him ask that question. At winter warm-up, we are much further away. It was not such close proximity. I mean, in in this um, event, I'm talking we're five feet away. There's 20 people in the room, and you're five feet away. Um, embarrassing questions, I don't know. I don't know. I can't guarantee it. But you know what? Let me, I, let me, let me I want to ask the questions that people want asked. Yeah. I do not want to throw stupid softball questions um, up there for John Mozeliak. I want actual questions that people care about. I'm going to ask him if I have the opportunity. I will have the opportunity. I will ask what's his plans of after two years. He signed a new two year contract. Is your plans to retire and leave or is your plans to, you know, take a different role? What's your plans inside this organization after your contracts up in two years? That's the question I would ask him right now. Here's my question. Ready? This is, this is similar to the text line question. What has this 2023 team taught you as the president of baseball operations, what have you learned from this team that you have not learned before? Uh, I, I think that's a fair question. I love the question because to me, since 2011, I don't think John Moselak has shown he's learned much. Um, I, 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 and I think that's maybe an, a systemic organizational problem. I don't know how much we've learned as an organization over the last decade. You okay, know? but a problem to who? What do you mean? Well, who's it a problem to? The team has 
always finished above 500. Well, it's the they, problem to the fans, right? Well, right. That's my point. The That's organization doesn't yeah. have a problem, according right. to them, right? They 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 win their division more often than not. They have three million fans in a small market. They lead, you know. I think last year they were second in attendance. So far this year, at last check, they were second in attendance. You, are you, ready more, for, you ready for this number? Here's the number that matters. As of yesterday, seventy percent chance of making the playoffs. That's what they. That's and that's crazy to think that they're seven games under five hundred and have a seventy percent chance to still make the playoffs. But the point is, you're saying a systemic issue. But according to whom is it a systemic issue? To the fans and people that want them to do more. I think Mo is doing exactly what the DeWitts want him to do, and always has. And people what get, he's hired to do. Yeah, and people get mad when I say that, and they say, "How can you not be upset about it? Why don't you get mad?" Like nothing's going to change under this regime. And, and if you maybe that Bill DeWitt the third takes over at some point and changes what his trajectory is of what he wants or what he wants his legacy to be, that's where it's going to be different. That's the only opportunity I see where they're going to spend a lot more money or change of money or different ways of going about things. If Bill DeWitt the third decides he wants a different legacy than what his dad obviously has in this great winning legacy they've had since buying the Cardinals in the 90s. Well, let, let, let's also take a, a step back here, too, because I think sometimes I hear a lot of Cub fans, right, that, that talk about how spoiled Cardinal fans are. Are we really spoiled? Do we have any grounds to really demand more than than what we're seeing out of ownership? This is, this is a team who had its worst start in franchise history, and here – 12 days later, we're closing in on first place and have a 70% chance of making the playoffs, according to, to baseballreference.com. So, you know, if that's the worst that it's going to get uh, for Cardinal fans, it, 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 are we are we that spoiled? It, maybe making the playoffs every year isn't such a bad thing. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I want more. I want I, I want to win. The NLCS, but you know what happens if we win the NLCS and we don't win the World Series? It's a disappointment. You know, I, I want to win the World Series. I, I, I want to be there. In 2013, after we lost the World Series, I didn't want to be there. I wish we wouldn't have never gone to the <laughs> World Series. That was so aggravatingly frustrating. So, you know, it, it's it's frustrating to lose is the problem. And no matter where that loss happens, but at least for the Cardinals for the past however long for the DeWitt ownership era, the loss has more times than not been in the playoffs. Has it been at the level that we want it to? Should this team through the DeWitt era have won more than two World Series? Yeah, but we won two World Series. It's time for another. We want to get another one. We're going to be in contention. Are we a World Series team? Yeah, I don't think so yet, but we're not – other teams that are saying, heck no, we're not a World Series team before the season even starts. So, you know, there's a little bit of spoiledness to, to, so, to some of what we're wanting as Cardinal fans. Yes, and I and I compared a lot to the Indianapolis Colts, as we both have followed for many years, that they won a whole bunch, and they won the division every single year. They It was a matter of fact they were going to win the division. Peyton Manning underachieved in – Indianapolis only won a Super Bowl and went to two. But the 
they were the consummate. You knew they were going to win the division, and you expected more. So they were spoiled. We are spoiled as an Indianapolis Colts fan for that amount of time. But look at the Colts now, not winning. Yes, I would much rather be like the DeWitts are now and steady as we go and steadying through and winning and making the playoffs every single year, and then they make sure that they try and then win a World Series every now and then. Make a long shot. Make a run. All they're trying to do is get the team in and then make a run. That's what they're hoping for, is the Cardinals to get in and then get hot. That's what they did in 2011, and that's what they did in 2006. The real world-beater team was in 2004. That was a really, really, really good club, and that is the difference from MV3 and should have won a World Series to two mediocre teams that got hot at the right time and won two World Series. Yeah, and I think you're right. How much of winning the World Series, uh, especially now in the new playoff format era where every team gets in the playoffs, you know, how, how much of it is being hot at the right time versus the talent you have on the roster? You just alluded to it earlier earlier here tonight about the fact that you've got teams that went out and tried to buy championships. And most of the time, that just doesn't work out. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is kind of interesting to, to, to take the standpoint of, hey, all we got to do is get in and we got a good a shot at anybody else to go on from there. And, and that's kind of been the philosophy. Hey, it panned out twice. And who are we to complain about that, I guess, huh? All right. Well, we're an hour in. I'm going to um, I'm gonna have a question here, another question. If you were told, and we'll just use this question as it is, and, and we'll talk a little bit more and then be, move on and be done. But if you're told, say, Dylan Carlson, a pitching prospect. Now, it depends on that pitching prospect of which one you're talking about. In a choice of Edmund or Donovan, would you get you Cease and Joe Kelly? Would you do it? depends depends on the pitching prospect in in large respect because our need is pitching yes you know, that's, that's that's my that's my hang up of saying yes you know you, you're getting two pitchers in, in cease and kelly you know what they've produced uh, you know it's that's tough for me because i don't know who the pitching process prospect is we're, we're referencing there when our need is pitching i hate to give away pitching that, that could be good if it's not Graceffo hints uh tink hints and there's one more that i want to protect if it's not one of those three guys then i'm in on this trade i prefer donovan to go over edmund personally uh and i would do that yes i would make that trade um because it solidifies your bullpen which the bullpen has underachieved this year and then it actually helps your starting rotation which has greatly underachieved this year yes i make that trade who are you putting in positions that now have been vacated that makes your, you know, Dylan Carlson, then you, you've kept Tyler O'Neill. Now, Tyler O'Neill has to be the guy, and he has to perform, but you also now have Walker that you can also uh, bring up as well. But that also immediately makes Dylan Carlson, your, uh, makes um, Newt Bar your center fielder, which changes your dynamic as well because if Tyler O'Neill is injured, you do not have a backup center fielder, and then you have Oscar Mercado on the, on this, on the roster again because that's why Luke and Baker and... Um, uh, Gomez and some of these other guys that are mashing in AAA aren't called up because Mercado can play center field because you don't have very many options out there. So yes, I do this trade um, with some asterisks next to it of, of st stipulations of who I would want, but also then 
you're really riding on Tyler O'Neill. So I would prefer Tyler O'Neill over Carlson to be traded out, and I'd prefer uh, Donovan over Edmund, and I prefer not one of those three. But I'm nitpicking on those. But I, yes, I would do this trade. You see, you can see the decision maker in the two of us here, right? Yes, I will make that trade. Eh, I'm not sure. I don't know. It kind of depends, right? But I, I, I would make the trade. I, as you described it, I would make the trade. Yeah, and and I think that um, you know maybe we'll put this. It's a good question from Drew. Uh, maybe we'll put that up on a poll um, in some version of that to see if that is some trade that you make. And I think it's a it's a really good it's a really good pos- Those are the types of trades it's going to have to be because you're going to have to give up real major league talent, which I believe Edmund and Donovan both are, and uh, cost controlled because that's what people want, what the teams want, and Dylan Carlson. I think is really, really good. I would prefer to give up Tyler O'Neill because I think Dylan Carlson is not done yet here. And but that makes him more desirable, probably as well. Yeah, right. it's a tough call. Yeah, it's definitely a tough call. Um, I'll uh talk briefly. That's winter podcast is brought to you by Jersey Flock, Lids.com, Breaking Tea, and Hide It Mounts. Um, op- over my left shoulder. Yeah, is a hide it mount bat is being hung by one of the bat racks. Uh, behind me, you can get those on Hide It Mount. Uh, look at our links uh, for those types of racks and also the gaming racks and different things to hide everything else. Uh, jersey Flock. We gave away a Jersey Flock uh, jersey last week or two weeks ago to Dave Burns. He, he's getting a Contreras, Wilson Contreras jersey. And since that giveaway, all we've done is nothing but win games. And so I really take full responsibility for the Cardinals going 11-3 and three out of the last 14 because giving away a Wilson Contreras jersey. And Breaking Tea, they released the awesome new Wilson Contreras jersey, uh, which is awesome, and you should get it and go to our link tree to be able to get that. Lids.com, always running specials as well. Anything else to add there, Kyle? I, I, I don't have any memorabilia sitting behind me tonight to show off. I'm, I'm on vacation in Florida, so there's, there's nothing but palm trees behind the screen, but it's dark, so I can't show you anything fun. But, uh, hey, I, I, will, I will throw out – the Jersey flock uh, jerseys, the quality is great. I've got several of them now in, in my basement. Uh, price is unbelievable, and the quality is great. So hats off there. Yeah, if you want a jersey ready for uh, playoffs, order now. They yes. sometimes do take a, a long while to get there. If you um, want a jersey for winter warm-up 2024, <laughs> order yesterday. Look, I'll, I'll see if I can kind of show. I got my Paul Goldschmidt over there autographed setting up uh, over there. So, I mean – they're awesome. They look good. They just sometimes they take a little bit. Um, so I would get your order in now if you're if you're interested in one of those. All right. Well, um, again, Josh, um, who is usually always with us, is um, on a mission trip in Scotland for the entire summer. So the odds that we see him go to Scotland. By the way, when was his? When did he leave? To go uh, to a few weeks ago. So yeah, two weeks Get ago. In Scotland. Uh, yeah, I told him. I told him all he had to do was go to. A different continent and the Cardinals would start winning. So that's exactly what happened. He might join us at different times if we can do uh, earlier, no. he, earlier ones. No. Um, but uh, Josh is out on a mission trip there in Scotland. So Kyle's filling in. We're gonna and anyone else that wants to jump on, we will take we'll take the help um, to discuss um, the Cardinals and hopefully keep on winning. But uh, that's all I got for now. That's Kyle Peach. I'm Ryan Jenkins. This has been that's a winner podcast. Thanks. See you. From the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals!
Smith parks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two. And a home run by the Wizard. Go crazy. Swinging along one in the left field. Adios. Goodbye. And maybe that's the winner. A three-run homer by Clark. The Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. What a team! What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs in 2011.